morning. A friend of mine recently suffered what there is no better way to term it than a series of devastating events all right in a row. She was almost four months along with her first child when she found out that she had cancer and that it would put her life and the life of her unborn child at risk. The doctors had hope that she'd be able to carry to term, but they were pretty sure that after she gave birth, they would most likely have to perform surgery that would result in her no longer being able to have any more children after this. And then, a few weeks after the diagnosis, she began to get quite sick. She had to be airlifted from one hospital to another, and there were plenty of complications that resulted in her losing her baby. I talked with her not that long ago. And as we spoke, I began to realize that of all of the questions that I have ever been asked in my life, the hardest ones I have ever encountered always begin with why. Why could this happen? Why would God allow this why now? They are, in fact, the questions that haunt my soul in the middle of the night. In the Gospel of Mark, the final words that Jesus speaks from the cross are torn from the heart of every human that who has ever suffered. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me now? Of all of the depictions of the crucifixion, Mark's is perhaps the most bleak. In Luke, Jesus boldly and with courage proclaims, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In John, with a sense of stoicism and authority, Jesus declares, it is finished. Even in Matthew, where the same words are spoken, the death of Jesus is immediately followed by an earthquake that seems to raise many of the dead back to the land of the living. But in Mark there is a bleakness that does not show up in the other Gospels. A portrayal of loneliness and isolation that I think many of us can relate to. And we wonder what to do with such a painful passage. Many over the course of history have ignored it in favor of the other Gospels. People dislike the implication that Jesus felt abandoned, perhaps disliked even more the notion that God may actually have abandoned Jesus. And we have tried every imaginable theory out, and one of the ones that I think we've become the most comfortable with is that 
while Jesus felt abandoned by God, God was still there, but just hidden. I have to wonder, though, for the person who is feeling abandoned, what difference is there between the actual absence of God and the perceived absence of God? In the midst of pain and suffering, isn't perhaps perceived absence the same as real absence for the one who suffers? It might even be worse. Because if God is simply there and watching us suffer, how do we begin to wrestle with that? When I was a young child, my stepfather was diagnosed with ALS, which is more commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. And his disease progressed quite quickly. Within two years, he had died. And I can remember saying to myself after he died that there could not possibly be a God. What kind of God would sit back and let this happen? Why would a good man die? Now, over almost 20 years later, I still don't have an answer to that question. In fact, I have many, many more whys that I plan on bringing face to face with God when I finally get a chance to see him. It wasn't until I was a few years older and began to read my Bible again that I was surprised by the Jesus that I had finally met. This wasn't the Jesus of Sunday school rooms or platitudes. As Jesus hangs there alone on the cross, as God allows himself to experience the heartbreak of why, all of a sudden for me, God became so much more trustworthy. Because here was a God walking this road, knowing its cost and pain. And while it didn't give me an answer, it did let me know I wasn't alone. That maybe there really was someone who could actually understand the ache of my heart. As Jesus shouts out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The soldier looks on. And it is his death that draws the soldier in. Surely this man is the son of God. And in the Gospel of Mark, this is the first time that a human mouth will declare Jesus to be the son of God. God had declared it before both at Jesus' baptism and transfiguration. Even the demons had declared it in Mark 5, but for the first time, a human being sees and declares Jesus to be the Son of God. As I spoke about a few weeks ago, you know I was incredibly excited about seeing the new beauty in the beast. 
and I went and saw it. And I found out that three new songs had been written for this movie. And while I am a traditionalist, I must admit that I deeply enjoyed their work. One of the things I found so compelling about this new music that was added was the way in which each song seemed to balance the bittersweet nature of life. One of the new songs is performed after the big dinner number. All those who are cursed in the castle are cleaning up and getting ready to go to bed for another night. They know their time is running short. Soon, everything will be over. And they start to sing about their days in the sun. Before this curse had happened, before they were facing the end of their lives. They sing about the people they had loved and the things they enjoyed. And when it gets to the heroine bell, she sings, How in the midst of all this sorrow can so much hope and love endure? I was innocent and certain. Now I'm wiser but unsure. Unbeknownst, I think, to Disney, they are echoing a tradition that Jesus himself cements in this moment on the cross. And that is one of lament. The words of Jesus' cry from the cross are echoes of words that we have heard before. They are, in fact, a direct quote from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from my words of groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. But Psalm 22 doesn't end there. It goes on to say, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, in our ancestors trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from the womb, who kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls encircle me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a raving and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. My bones are like wax. It is melted within my breast. My heart is dried up. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. 
But you, O Lord, do not be far away. O my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and the families of the nations shall worship before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow down all those who go to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him, future generations will be told about the Lord, and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. How in the midst of all this sorrow can so much hope and love endure? We cannot know what is going on in the mind of Jesus on the cross. But perhaps the psalm gives us just the smallest insight of Jesus who in so many ways embraced sorrow in hope in one moment, who cries out in lament, but in a lament that is tinged and framed in hope and love. And in a moment, he reveals to the world that this pain, that these questions, they're okay. They are, in fact, part of what makes us human. They may even be just a little holy. When we or the people around us face pain and loss, when we question and rage and accuse, there's nothing to be afraid of. We shouldn't send people away or tell them to quiet down or be happy. Too often we shut down people as their cry of abandonment rings out. It feels too much like a sign of disbelief, makes us afraid. Mother Teresa wrote many letters over the course of her life. And after a, her death, a number of these letters were published that revealed for most of her ministry, she had felt that God had abandoned her. She wrote in one letter, I am told that God lives in me. And yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. I want God with all the power of my soul. And yet between us, there is a terrible separation. I feel just this terrible pain of loss, of God not wanting me, of God not being God, of God not really existing. She wrote many of these letters to her confessor, 
who wrote back to her one time. And he said, The sure sign of God's hidden presence in this darkness is the thirst for God, the craving for at least a ray of his light. No one can long for God unless God is present in his or her heart. Her response became, I am no longer afraid of the night. And in this moment, maybe Jesus teaches us our greatest lesson. That faith is not necessarily a thing that is felt. It is not dependent on our emotions, our experiences of joy. Rather, faith is the choice of a heart to believe. To long for God in the midst of doubt, not the absence of it. To choose in spite of everything that the world and that our experience tells us that we are not alone. That God is there somewhere. And it is in response to this, this mingling of sorrow and hope and faith and doubt on the cross that we come to a point like the centurion where we say this surely is the Son of God. In the end, it's not the miracles or the power or the glory. It was the pain. It was the all-too-human cry of why, combined with the holy trust of God that spoke to that centurion. Perhaps he saw something that moved him so deeply his heart could no longer deny the truth of the love of one who would subject themselves to the ultimate of human pain, the feeling of abandonment, the pain of limited knowledge, the devastation of being left by a loved one. In the face of my friend's loss, in the wake of my stepfather's death, we don't want or need the victorious Jesus. We need the Jesus on the cross. We need the one who can feel our pain and who can echo our questions. We need to know we have God who can understand our pain because it is that God we can lean on. It is that promise we can trust that will help us make it through. In one of the other new songs, for Beauty and the Beast, the composer writes, how does a moment last forever? How does happiness endure? Through the darkest of our troubles, love is beauty, love is pure. Love pays no mind to desolation. It flows like a river through the soul, protects, persists, and perseveres, and makes us whole. 
how does the moment on the cross last forever? How is it that we still come to that same cross? We come because it was an act of love. And when the broken hearts of women and men look on that cross, we don't see the blood and the dirt. We don't see the shame and the loneliness. Instead, we see a river of love poured out that will make us whole. In the famous poem, the old astronomer to his pupil, the dying teacher says to his student, Though my soul may set in darkness, it shall rise in perfect light. For I have loved the stars too fondly to be fearful of the night. You can change it just a bit. For I have loved God too fondly to be fearful of the night. The cry on the cross is not one of faithlessness but one of faith that surpasses human understanding. It is the cry of faith from the soul, one that gives us hope that we too may know God, that frees us to be human and promises us that we are not alone. Amen.